Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And Caroline, let's go ahead and disclose that you and I are both eyeglass wearers. Yeah, I am seriously nearsighted, can barely see two inches in front of my face. I usually wear contacts. Recently got my glasses back with my new prescription from the eye doctor. I'm digging it. I was so excited. I wore them to work the other day because I was so excited to get them back. What kind of frames are they? They are, they're thin, like width wise. Obviously that's what thin means. Um, because of my face shape. Because mm-hmm. if I wear glasses that are too big, I end up looking ridiculous. And then they kind of get bigger towards the edges. Not a full cat eye because they're more rectangular. I'm giving you a really long description. I'll sum it up by saying they're rectangularish, almost cat eye, maroon colored. I like that description. I have thick rimmed black glasses and they are Gucci brand. And they are the only designer thing that I own. <laughs> but people are, are, but I like, I like it when, when people say, what brand are those? And I say, they're Gucci. Do people really ask you what brand of glasses you have? Well, it's, it has a little, like a gold label oh. on them because it's flashy like that. <laughs> but Just I, like you. <laughs> exactly. But I do take relish in, in saying impatiently, they're Gucci. And then brushing past them. Right. Even if you don't have to go anywhere. Exactly. I'm in an elevator. (laughs) It gets awkward. Um, But a listener wrote us recently saying, hey, ladies, question. What's up with gender stereotypes in glasses? Is it just me or does it seem like women with glasses get a whole bunch of negativity and judgment (laughs) sent their way? And I thought to myself, well... That's a fascinating question. Well, I, you know, when I read it, I, I, my first instinct was, really? 
Because, I mean, I realize that there are stereotypes of people in general with glasses. Yes. But I had never really thought, because I am a glasses wearer and no one's ever, like, hit me in the face or something or, like, spit on my shoes. I'd never really thought, well, people think of women in glasses differently than they think of men in glasses. I just thought, well, everybody thinks we're all just nerds. Yeah, and I do think that the the, the glasses stereotypes in general have eased as glasses have become cool and hipster, and we have Warby Parker largely to thank for that. (laughs) They should sponsor this episode, actually. Well, and, you know, I have friends who wear just, like, plastic Mm-hmm. You know, they're not real glasses, just just for the trendiness. Ooh, as a fashion accessory. Um, but in our episode on magical makeovers that just came out, we talk about how one of the main ingredients of a magical makeover in movies is the removal and snapping right. of glasses. It signifies a lot. Glasses are loaded, people. Glasses are loaded. Um, well, first, let's start with a very brief historical side note that glasses were invented sometime between 1268 and 1289 in Italy, but nobody knows for sure who it was. Yeah, it's not really clear exactly who, what, when, where, or why. Well, I guess we know why. But it's, <laughs> to it's, see better? To, probably, to, probably to see better. Um, there were probably no original hipsters back then, uh, just wearing them for kicks. Anyway, um, but glasses are really a phenomenon of the late 19th and early 20th centuries, according to Carrie Seagrove, who wrote Vision Aids in America, a social history of eyewear and sight correction since 1900. Seagrove writes that glasses were mentioned in an 11th century Arabic text. They were mentioned by Englishman Roger Bacon. And in 1488, spectacle makers were mentioned in Nuremberg. And there's a passage in one of Walter Scott's pieces that mentions a Lord Calvert with spectacles on his nose with the remark that the invention was recent. So there's like all this conjecture about when glasses came about. And before glasses were made of glass, the earliest frames were usually made from quartz and then were set into bone, metal, or leather, which I feel like it would be some kind of Portlandia sketch uh, uh, yeah. of some artisan eyeglass makers bringing back some some bone eyeglass frames. Absolutely. I digress. Um, so just to give you an idea, though, of how glasses in general alter people's perceptions of both men and women alike, we found a study called Stereotypes in Retail Print Advertising, the Effects of Gender and Physical Appearance on Consumer Perceptions that was published in December 2001. And they talk a lot about how models who wear glasses or don't wear glasses will change people's perceptions of masculinity or femininity, intelligence, attractiveness. And the study author, Charlotte Allen, cites studies from 1942, 68, and 71 that suggest that people who wear glasses are perceived as more intelligent and industrious than people who don't wear glasses. It also has effects on social things, too. There was a 1993 study from researcher Roger Terry that found glasses were associated with attributes of diminished social forcefulness, but heightened competence. So you're kind of lame and shy, but thank God you're highly alert and competent. And let's now get down to the attractiveness factor, because this leads directly into that listener's question of gendered stereotypes, especially for women who wear glasses. 
There was a 1991 study which found that women and men wearing glasses were seen as more feminine and masculine, respectively. However, a lot of times, this study and others have found that women who wear glasses are rated as less attractive... More so than men who wear glasses. Yeah, women are really getting the short end of the stick as far as glasses stereotypes go, apparently. And this image, this there's a strong image that still exists in our culture in which a woman who wears glasses is automatically downgraded. Like, that's that's a very strong stereotype. But these bookish stereotypes go way back. Uh, Laura Brandt's thesis for the College of William and Mary talks a little bit about the history of these stereotypes, and she introduces her thesis by talking about uh, Elizabeth Payson Prentice, who, in September 1840, wrote a letter to a friend worried that because her sister wore glasses, a guy she liked thought that she, too, was a blue stocking, which is a derogatory term referring to a dangerously literary female, which to me sounds awesome. But yeah. She was like thinking that this love interest of hers, you know, she's 22 years old. She's like, this guy is going to think I'm a nerd, too. Oh, man. Well, in 1926, Dorothy Parker did not help things at all because she wrote this poem called News Item, from which we get the phrase that is often repeated and kind of mangled today. Uh, But the original goes, men seldom make passes at girls who wear glasses. A lot of times it's misquoted as men never make passes, but just seldom. So every now and then we'll, we'll catch a break. But yeah, Dorothy Parker, come on, lady, help a gal out. Because in 1926, that fear of being, you know, ending up in Spinsterville because you don't have perfect vision was so alive and well. Well, it's, it's strange to read some of the perspectives on early glasses wearing women because they're they're terrible. People have like this terrible image of women in glasses and not only from like a judgy perspective, but also from like a, oh, you poor thing. Um, in 1938, there was this Saturday evening post article by J.C. Furness who wrote, as for glasses, the average smart woman would almost rather shave her head or wear high-laced boots to a dance than put on spectacles for permanent wear in public as well as in private. I mean, it was a genuine fear yeah. among parents, uh, sisters, apparently, uh, and women who were born with uh, imperfect eyesight who needed vision correction, that glasses were pretty much a romantic death sentence. Because a lot of this is framed in terms of women who wear glasses scare men away from making passes. Right. And I I just wonder, like, sidebar, I kind of just wonder what it is about women wearing glasses back then that's carried on to today that that is so awful. Like, I know it's associated with, like, a spinster stereotype and old women wearing glasses and things like that. But I wonder if that goes back to some historical thing of, like, not a lot of people used to read. There was not compulsory education. So I wonder if it was like a people who wore glasses were men who were in charge of government things. You know, I'm like, I'm giving you such a wishy-washy hypothesis, but... Well, I have a feeling that at least in more contemporary times that the thought of the association of glasses with learning and intelligence would be a negative thing for women because it would be an idea that, well, this is a woman who's more interested in books than she is 
keeping up her appearances right. yeah. and wanting to take care of perhaps more domestic womanly duties. So you're sort of broadcasting that you're transgressing social norms. Yeah, she's a dangerous blue stocking. Exactly. Mm. Literary female. Look at that literary female. Ugh, she can read. <laughs> um But in the 1930s through the 1950s, we do see a bit of a change towards more acceptance for women wearing glasses as they do take more of a Warby Parker-esque turn for being a fashion accessory that women can actually work with. And this is, again, from that book Vision Aids in America by Carrie Seagrave. And in 1934, for instance, the American Optical Company published a booklet of beauty secrets for women with glasses to overcome the quote-unquote social handicap. And it included tips on how to pick up flattering glasses, makeup tips, and eyebrow-shaping hints, as well as the proper selection of hats to go with your glasses. Hmm. I wonder what my corresponding hat would be. Well, imagine, though, how back then the glasses selection was very limited. Yeah. And, you know, you and I both tried on glasses frames before, and it is not easy to find something that actually does flatter your face shape. When I right. went and got my glasses, I mean, it's been years now. When I when I got my Gucci frames <laughs> years ago, uh, I, I put on countless mm-hmm frames before I found something that that didn't make my face look very odd. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it's hard for me to judge my own face shape because I always go for a certain type of frame. And when I put it on my face, I'm like, oh, my God, it looks like I'm bug eyed. Like, it looks like I've got these huge fly eyes. So that's why I've learned that I have to wear these like skinny like my frames are slightly thick, but I have to wear skinny glasses. But imagine though walking into a store and then being like, well, that's (laughs) the only frame we got. So. Get used to that yeah, bug-eyed look. Yeah, well, I mean, my brother is 13 years older, and when he was a kid, he also had trouble in the visual department. And he pretty much only had the option of wearing these, like, really thick, what would now be considered very trendy glasses, which on him as a little pale child look pretty silly. Aw. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Well, in 1942, the New York Times declared that girls who wear glasses no longer try to pretend that they don't. So if the New York Times prints it, then it must be true. But that, that is a signal, though, that... Slowly, A, glasses were starting to come out in, in a little bit more of a variety, and B, that maybe this negative stereotype was lessening. And at the same time, Hollywood starlets were starting to be not only filmed every now and then with their character wearing glasses in a more accessory kind of way, perhaps if they were reading, lounging and reading. Um, and there were also studio shots of starlets wearing glasses every now and then. Uh, there's one, I forget what movie it was, but um, there were some films with, for instance, Marilyn Monroe wearing glasses. And of course, she would probably take them off before she attracted the... <laughs> leading man, right, but nevertheless. Part of the makeover. But it's part of the normalization, though, right. of actually like seeing them on attractive and famous women. I mean, to me, reading all of this background and history, is it seems very melodramatic. I mean, to me, as somebody in a modern era who wears glasses, I'm like, why are these people freaking out so much? But it was really like... <sighs> It was really against the grain. Well, think about it. When your one career aspiration that's really viable is to become a wife and a mother, and all of a sudden you have to wear glasses, which apparently, you know, kicks you out of that game, it would be (laughs) devastating. And by 1953... You know, we see uh, maybe that the sea change is really taking place in earnest when journalist Leonore Halpern writes that there was once a time not so very long ago that when a, when a member of the female sex considered it a minor tragedy if a visit to the oculist led to the recommendation of glasses. I remember really wanting glasses. I got glasses in sixth grade. I did, too, because I saw a girl who had pink framed glasses during that time when, you know, all of a sudden those kinds of things seem very neato. Yeah, but this was like 1995, 96. So I had those those glasses that were very prevalent in the early to mid 90s, which were like big and round on the bottom and flat on the top. But they were wire rims. Yeah, I could have been like in a 90s journalism newspaper movie or something. That's how I think of them. should bring them back. But there's a lot of academic research out there confirming what we're talking about, which is the gender stereotypes and perceptions exist around glasses. I mean, a lot. Like, I wasn't expecting to find as much as I found. And one of those studies, for instance, talks about job applicants. This was a a study going way back to 1989 in optometry and vision science that talks about eyeglasses, especially when worn by the male applicant, were associated with feminine stereotypes and positive task-relevant attributes. So men who wear eyeglasses may be the target of some negative social stereotypes, but they're redeemed because they're like, well, they're going to get the job done. But women who wore glasses were more likely to be the target only of the negative social judgments because you're a woman, so you're already feminine, 
So you only get that negative social judgment. So even still, decades after... You know, women are saying, oh, okay, we, we can wear glasses, everything will be fine. But still, still, those stereotypes persist. And there's an interesting uh, height study, height and glasses, looking at men in particular. And Donald Elliman, this is a 1977 study, found that glasses and height affect perception of masculinity in particular. Students were asked to rate a male student, and the form told the students that the guy was either 5'4 or 6'4 and had an attached photo that showed him either with or without glasses. So the tall guy was rated as more extroverted and attractive than the short guy. The glasses guy was rated as softer, gentler, more sensitive, and more of a follower than no glasses guy. But when you're both, when you're a dude in the study and you're both short and spectacle wearing, more feminine ratings were produced. I wonder why the glasses elicit that kind of femininity. I guess it's because we do associate glasses with the bookishness, with being more quiet and introverted and therefore less masculine. Yeah, and also you're going to be perceived as more honest if you're wearing glasses. That's good. That's yeah, good. both both men and women are perceived as more honest when they're wearing glasses. This is a 1988 study from Tony Bartolini who found that regular glasses enhance perceived authority while sunglasses reduced it. Women in regular glasses were seen as more honest than any other intersection. So whether you're wearing sunglasses, regular glasses or no glasses and whether you're male or female, Men in sunglasses were perceived to be the least honest out of all of them. I can get that. Yeah, you're like, oh, what is he doing behind those glasses? Um, but Mary Harris, researcher Mary Harris, did find some conflicting stereotypes. She had this really big study about, you know, surrounding glasses and gender. And, you know, she confirmed a lot of the things that we already know, that people wearing glasses were considered to be less attractive and less sexy, more intelligent and more intense. But... Men considered the typical woman with glasses as sexier and more attractive than they did the typical woman without glasses. And in a contrast to the earlier studies that we mentioned talking about femininity, she found that men with glasses were considered to be more masculine and women more feminine. So I guess she found that it strengthened your masculinity or your femininity depending And I know I've thrown out a lot of research at you, but one thing that I want to point out uh, from Mary Harris's research is that these people that she was studying were rated according to 18 traits, both like honesty, attractiveness, things like that, but also things that they would likely be doing. And one odd thing that I found is that of the 18 traits rated, the only ones that were statistically significant were that people with glasses were seen as less attractive and sexy more likely to go to bars and less likely to listen to music and read when not wearing glasses. When not wearing glasses. Yeah, so if you're wearing glasses, people assume that you're going to be reading and listening to music a lot. You know, And when you're wearing glasses, they think you're going to go to bars. <sighs> very interesting. I just I just thought that was very odd. Wanted to bring that up. It's so, well, I mean, all of this is just a case study in the bizarre associations mm-hmm. that we make about people just based on something that's not even like physically part of them. And to make it even a little more complicated, Harris found that basically in her conclusion of studying all of these traits and all of these intersections of of assumptions about people, it all just depends. Be- right. Because 
um, you know, they're going to look at a picture of you and they're going to say, oh, she's a nerd or she's bookish or she reads a lot or she's timid because she wears glasses. But if they actually spend more than like 20 minutes with you, then they don't necessarily see the glasses anymore. They just see you and hear you talking. So it's all in how these studies are conducted, because if you just show a picture, you might just be like, yeah, Kristen's a nerd. But if you actually, if the person actually sits down with you, they're going to be like, yeah, oh, she- Kristen's a nerd. <laughs> okay, bad example. But you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and, and that is why, you know, some of these studies are, are definitely a grain of salt. But one thing in a lot of them that, that is confirmed over and over again, just kind of as a general point, is that these stereotypes set in at a very young age. Mm -hmm. A lot of these studies focus around asking first graders, say, you know, what do you think about, you know, this person with glasses versus person without glasses? And even at, you know, under 10 years old, we have a a thing built in our heads of glasses are for nerds and Mm -hmm. frumpy women and... You know, that's that's the way it is. And there was even a a study in June 2012 in the European Journal of Experimental Psychology, which found that kids internalize this. Kids who wear glasses internalize these negative stereotypes. And they found that while wearing glasses doesn't necessarily undercut a child's global self-esteem, it does tend to negatively impact their self-perception of physical appearance. They don't think that they look as cool with glasses on, even though, side note, I find children who wear glasses adorable. They are adorable. Because those glasses are very small. My Yeah, my baby cousin wears glasses, and he's the cutest. Very cute. But little girls, I mean, just like women, little girls get the short end of the stick, too. A uh, May 2008 study called Children's Attitudes About Kids and Eyeglasses. That's straightforward. Very straightforward. Found that athletic boys wearing glasses were more positively received than athletic girls wearing glasses. And this, you know, jives with a study from the Journal of Social Psychology in August 1993 that talked to first graders about their perceptions and found that kids with glasses were rated lower in attractiveness even at that age, but especially if they were girls, even even in first grade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the most shocking finding to me was one uh, asking teachers to rate students. And the teachers dinged all of the kids with glasses. And again, similar thing, especially for the girls on the attractiveness ratings. And um, even though it was completely unscientific, reporter Taryn Winterbrill from ABC News decided to test out how perceptions of her would change in the real world if she... Left everything the same. She's very attractive, brunette, long hair, and she wanted to see what would happen if she just put a pair of glasses on. And she found that, for instance, in a job interview, there wasn't a very big difference between the ratings of her with or without glasses, except in teamwork, in which they found that when she was wearing the glasses, the recruiters thought that she would not do as well. I just wonder if that... If there's an assumption like you're wearing glasses, you're shy, you're an introvert because people have all those assumptions about introverts. Absolutely. Uh, but the dating scenario was far more stark of a contrast. Um, and it was funny. I mean, she's wearing the exact same thing. And she was rated nine points lower on attractiveness when she was simply wearing a pair of unassuming frames. And it was so funny because she 
like went and sat in front of a panel of guys, you know, prospective dates. And so, you know, th- there was real time interaction and in their rating afterwards with her without the glasses, they're like, yeah, she seems like very fun and great. I'd just love to take her out on a date. And her putting on the glasses, they're like, nah, she, I don't know. She could maybe make for like a good friend. Ah. Um, but, and it was, it was kind of, and I, across the board, all the guys were like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting what all these studies and experiments say about, our society, our culture, our assumptions about people, and and maybe what you should do on a date, <laughs> perhaps. But I I do think though that the situation for glasses wearers has improved a lot because I think I don't know I think the glasses are are having quite a moment. Yeah, right now. I, totally. I mean, sure you have the whole hipster glasses thing. That's a, a little bit of. A joke, but even for for women, I think that the the whole women wearing glasses and maybe looking powerful and bookish is a positive thing more than ever before, and even a sexy thing. I mean, now we're getting into the sexy librarian trope, which is obnoxious. Um, but the first person that popped into my mind is Zoe Deschanel, whose character in New Girl and off screen as well is always wearing a big pair of frames and she looks adorable or adorkable as is their tagline in them. And it's part of her, her attractive appeal is that she puts on glasses. I don't know what to think, but you know what? I mean, what do you, what do you think though? As a glasses wearing lady, do you, do you think that out in public or at the workplace in the dating realm that you are, judge differently when you're wearing glasses? Well, I mean, I wear my contacts 99% of the time. Yeah, same here. Um, So, but I don't know. I mean, I've, it seems like everybody I've ever dated when I've put glasses on has thought I looked cute. And that could be that they're biased because they're dating me. But, you know, I don't, I also tend to date guys who are bookish just like I am. So that wouldn't be a turnoff. They wouldn't think, oh, she's timid and a spinster. Yeah. I mean, I will say that I've noticed that maybe I'm, I, I do buy into all of the negative stereotypes because when I am single, I wear my glasses less than I do when I'm in a relationship because it is the thing where, you know, usually when you put your glasses on and hope, uh, unless he's a jerk, <laughs> you're going to get a favorable review. Um, and I, I will say though, that right now I'm into the show Damages with Glenn Close. It's my guilty pleasure right now. It's on Netflix, if you have Netflix. (laughs) And Glenn Close's character is so fun to watch, if only just to count the number of times she does a dramatic glasses (laughs) ripoff. And she uses the glasses as an instrument of of her power yeah. in a way of putting them on of taking them off and she's this like crazy fierce intelligent cunning kind of evil woman and as we were you know studying up for this podcast i would take you know little damages breaks and just marvel at the the power of those glasses well that's that's funny that you talk about her glasses being used as the power thing because in that book vision aids that we referenced they have a whole section talking about the pop psychology of the 70s and 80s and how 
they they got really deep into what does it mean when the boss like rips his glasses off or or squeezes them together, pushes them up on his nose, and or is chewing on the little earbud thing. Like there's a, this whole pop psychology behind what executives do with their glasses. Yeah, well, and then like the whole chewing of the chewing on the earbuds. There's that of a you know pensive and also the sexy chewing of the earbuds thing. Yeah, it's once you really start thinking about how we use and manipulate glasses and what we think about people who wear glasses, they take on so many new meanings. I know. I'm going to think about that the next time I have really dark circles under my eyes, so I decide to wear my glasses to work instead. It's made me want to buy new glasses just to accessorize. I know, but they're so expensive. They are kind of expensive. Uh, But I hope this has been um, fun and enlightening for all of our glasses and non-glasses wearers. Oh, one statistic I didn't point out, though, is that I wonder... If all of the more glasses negativity being directed at women is one of the reasons why two thirds, Caroline, of contact lens wearers are women. I tried to find statistics on the gender breakdown of LASIK eye surgery, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't find anything. It might be not. I mean, it's not new, but I wonder if, you know, maybe there's not the industry collective right there. But if anyone knows. Yeah. Because I wonder, too, if there's a similar pattern of more women opting for it so that we don't have to wear glasses. Interesting. Yeah. Lots of things to think about. Our eyeballs. Women are also, Caroline, I found, more prone to dry eye. Oh. Well, I just found out not too long ago that I have an astigmatism. Oh, no. In my left eye. That's why my contacts. My mother's like, why are you always winking at me? It's because my my left eye, I have an astigmatism and the contacts bothered them. But I got new contacts that are thicker. They would be qualified as Coke bottle contact lenses. And so it's, I don't know, it's for astigmatism things. But anyway, I'm rambling. So is it better for you if you wear your glasses? Technically, yes. But I just feel like, I don't know, it's, I can't, I also get migraines if the things, if it's too bright. So I need sunglasses and I don't have prescri- prescription sunglasses. So it's a whole thing. You know what we need to do, Caroline? What? We need to take a picture of ourselves in our glasses. Yeah, you Post right. it on our Facebooks. Absolutely. Our Facebook singular page. For people to look at us and say, look at those four eyes. All right. That's all I got. (laughs) So glasses wearers out there, we want to hear from you. MomStuffAtDiscovery.com is where you can send your letters. Let us know over on Facebook and tweet us at MomStuffPodcast, all of your glasses-related thoughts. And before we get to a couple of those letters, we're going to take a quick break and get right back to you. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring 
like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. And now, back to our letters. Chris and I have one here from Audrey about our boy bands episode. She says, well, I've never cared for the traditional boy bands, New Kids on the Block, NSYNC, etc. I did have one favorite when I was a kid, the Chipmunks. I had tons of Chipmunks cassette tapes that I played until I wore them out and I wouldn't go to bed without my Alvin doll. Like the monkeys, they had their own television show. Alvin was my favorite because he had a big A on his shirt and my name begins with A as well, according to Kid Logic. Other than that, boy bands just don't appeal to me, but it was fun hearing about them rather than actually hearing them. So thank you, Audrey. Uh, Caroline, speaking of boy bands, fact, last night I dreamed that I had an encounter with Malik from One Direction and that uh, we were going to date. <laughs> but then I woke up. Oh, Yeah. And then I immediately felt guilty that I was, like, cheating on my boyfriend with Malik from One Direction. <laughs> anyway, dreams. Well, I have an email here, subject line. I make people cry for a living. And so... Of course, I had to open it and see what on earth Lauren was talking about. She is writing her dissertation for her doctorate in clinical psychology. And right now, she works as a mental health counselor at a small private practice. And she writes, while listening to your podcast on crying at work, I figured I probably have an interesting perspective to share being in the field of psychology. Sometimes when people ask me what I do, I'm half tempted to, to respond. I make adults cry for a living. Rarely does a workday go by that someone has not cried in my office. It's always interesting to observe people's reactions to their own tears. Some are completely comfortable crying in front of me, even looking forward to a weekly cry in therapy. Others refuse to acknowledge their own tears or take tissues to clean up the mess. Still others will go so far as to worry that I think poorly of them for crying. This last situation never ceases to amaze me. It's healthy and normal to cry when talking about deep emotional issues. And guess what? You're not the first person to cry in my office. I'm actually more likely to worry if I see a client for an extended period of time and he or she does not cry. This may indicate that the patient lacks insight into his or her problems, meaning therapy may not be very productive if insight is not gained. So, I would say to that then, Caroline, perhaps crying in the workplace is maybe a good sign that you're getting in touch with your feelings in a very public place. Yep. I'm going to reserve my comment. Yes. Well, send us your comments and opinions and thoughts and glasses ideas to momstuffdiscovery.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Like us there while you're at it. You can follow us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast. We are on Tumblr as well. You can follow us at stuffmomnevertoldyou.tumblr.com. And during the week... Three times a week, every week, we upload new videos on our YouTube channel. So you should head over and subscribe to youtube.com slash stuff mom never told you. And in the meantime, 
You know where to find us on our website. It's HowStuffWorks.com. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.